Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Homers, this is episode 33. We had some extremely bad news on the on the baseball side tonight with Tech being walked off by the New Mexico Lobos. Um, I will have a lot of words about the state of the baseball team. We had a lot of words last week, but this week there is some other news to track. There's been a lot of activity, a lot of cryptic hints as it is around the recruiting world for basketball. We've also had some great news on the football end and recruiting as Tech continues to surge and is currently the number one class in 247. For the first time, I think, in the pro program's history i would be confident to say that you've had any sort of lead in, in this at this time of the year but even if not it is an impressive class coach mcguire's putting together we're going to start though with basketball recruiting news then we'll talk briefly about some of the developments in football before closing out with baseball where we'll recap what's gone on the last four games and talk about west virginia uh, i would especially stay tuned for the baseball end if you're looking for some not kind words about what's going on, but if you're more interested in recruiting side, we're going to start there and that'll be about the first 30 minutes or so of our show, depending on what we've got to talk about. And we'll start with basketball. Like I said, so there's been a lot of innuendo eyeball emoji tweets. A lot of people pretending to know things. A lot of people who do know things who are tipping their hands a bit. So I'm going to open this one up to a pretty simple question. Uh, we've heard rumors that it could be two guys, that it's going to be one guy, whatever the case it could be nobody, you know, th- th- these kids can change their mind on a dime, but let's just play with the simple hypothetical tech is going to pick up a commitment this week. It's going to be somebody uh, in that situation. Who would you most like to see sign on the dotted line? Kendall, we'll go to you first with that one. You get one who you taking? Well, I mean, the, a lot of the rumors that I've seen have been like it. They're saying it's a power six guard. Um, typically, when someone includes a six, that includes the Big East. So I don't know if there's someone that's going to throw us off because, you know, there's a lot of people saying that it's like under the radar. So I don't really know, like, kind of any idea of what type of player it is. But personally, um, with. ISU's Tyrese Hunter becoming available. I know that's a long shot because there's rumors of him getting an NIL deal somewhere, um, and that's why he's leaving. But, you know, a guy like Tyrese Hunter would be perfect for what Tech needs because I think that Tech's best teams have had, you know, a true point guard at the front of the team, and that's what Hunter is. And really, there's a lot of them out there. That Kendrick Davis from SMU would be perfect also. Uh, a name that I saw out there. 
I said in the Slack chat earlier today was Courtney Ramey. Uh, I hate to say it, but that dude is like the perfect tech player when it comes to what he's good at. Um, and I think that that would just be a perfect addition. But really, I think my top guy is probably Tyrese Hunter. If tech can make, you know, a good run at him, that would be just a perfect type of addition. But I don't see that happening necessarily. But uh, other than him, just him and Courtney Ramey, really. I know they're both in-conference guys, but those those two guys are just perfect for tech style of play. I'll go next to Reed here. You get the same question. You get to pick one. Kendall there taking maybe a bit of a long shot one, which is also open for discussion. Um, who are you taking? Yeah, I guess to kind of follow along the lines of uh, somebody that I really haven't seen a name necessarily pop up a lot would be would be Davion Harmon uh, out, out of Oregon. You know, he played at Oklahoma for two or three seasons. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe he is from the Dallas area. That might be wrong. I might be thinking someone else. But, uh, you know, coming back to Tech, I think it would kind of be somewhat close to home for him. Um, I think we he played kind of a, like a true point guard position. He I don't really know how well of a scorer he is uh, in terms of since he's left OU. I don't I really didn't follow him in Oregon while he was there. I kind of forgot he was even you know part of that team. But I think he'd be a really good veteran guard to have uh, with what would be a pretty fairly young roster next year for Tech for um, in terms of basketball unless you get some some higher you know related related uh, transfers out of the portal letter. Um, that a little bit older that we don't have right now. <clears throat> or if you get McCuller or TJ Shannon back, which seems unlikely at this point for either one of them. Um, you know, outside of him, I really don't have one guy I'd probably key on. Uh, it seems like that Fordaz AMAC, I probably just butchered his name, but uh, he seems like a really good fit for a post player to fill in for Bryson Williams. You know, we're, we're really going to miss a post presence down there that can score as easily as Bryson did. Uh, and then another guy that I've I've liked for a long time, Sean McNeil, uh, out of West Virginia. Everybody knows who that is. <clears throat> he kind of had a down year at West Virginia this past year, but that whole program was just not really heading in the right direction. So I think here he'd kind of have some some leave off of his back, and I think he'd be a good fit as well, uh, especially from the three point range. I really like Sean McNeil when he first um, announced his. Uh, his transfer, I thought that's a guy that Tech should really be looking for just because one of the things that held you back this year was particularly bad um, three-point shooting. There, There's quite a few guys that could fix that. I mean, there's quite a few in the, in the portal now who could fix that. Uh, uh, Tyrese Hunter being an all-around scoring threat and a great shooter would be – that actually was probably who I was going to say if I could have anybody – there's no reason necessarily to think tech has, you know, any sort of track there, but if you're, if you're at all able to pursue that one, you should, I really like Kendrick Davis from SMU. My problem for Kendrick Davis is I don't know um, if he's got necessarily the size to run what tech likes to run defensively. And if he's orientated that way, um, he's a great shooter, a great score, a great all around point guard, which tech, has lacked 
a true point guard really for the last two seasons. Last this previous season in particular didn't have anybody who remotely resembled a point guard. Um, but he's only six feet tall. You know, he's not very lengthy. Uh, he, he's a he's on the small side for for tech, which is historically gravitated to these guys who are borderline you know, six, four, six, five, you know, 200 really rangy guards who can guard all five, but you've made that work in the past. Davide Moretti wasn't a particularly big dude. Um, Mac McClung, not a big guy by any stretch. Uh, the, the, these are guys who grew into the defensive system who were not known for being particularly good uh, defensively. McClung in particular was a turnstile until he got to tech. You know, he never became a truly elite defender, but he became a competent defender. So you can coach that up. But I, I think Tech needs to focus on true dominant scoring. Um, you didn't have a guy this year that you could just go to to get buckets. Um, your guy really was Bryson Williams underneath. But for all the things Bryson did well, he was a really unselfish basketball player. And just it wasn't in his DNA to demand the ball on the block with regularity and go at it and teams really work to make him um, as limited as possible. And you really needed a guard to step up, to open him up. It just, nobody seemed to be able to do that with any consistent basis. Um, Davis is a dude. If you add him, he's, he's really going to be the kind of player that can just take over games. So if, if, if it's not going to be Hunter, that's, I, I want it to be one of these high profiled guards. And I think Davis is the best scorer available. Jack, you'll close out that discussion, though. Who's it going to be? Who's your one? Well, I like Davis a lot, and Davis was who I was going to go with. Um, I, I really like Sean McNeil as well in this discussion. Um, originally, a couple weeks ago, I know we had all gotten together and we were talking about how awesome it would be to, to land Nigel Pack from Kansas State also. And it's really interesting that we're all looking now at, uh, you know – players that have started their career or started their careers uh, at other big 12 schools and are just kind of looking and we automatically think of those just because I think we, because we see them so often that we know, we know their game and we know how it would translate to a Texas tech squad. Um, but I'm going to go out on a limb of, bit since y'all took my other ones and i'm gonna go with someone who maybe not might be on everyone's radar and i think it's because he has not been used properly at either of the stop or he didn't really get a lot of run in 2020 2021 and then last year he just didn't really playing an offense that suited him because the offense doesn't suit anyone. And I'm going to go with the most recent person to uh, hit the transfer portal today. And that's Devin Askew from Texas. And I want to say that because when he played at Kentucky in 2020, 2021, you know, he averaged 35% from, from the field uh, you know, 80% from the line, got about three rebounds, three assists, and was good for, you know, about six, seven points a game. But he was playing, you know, he's only playing 28, 29 minutes. Well, last year he got his minutes cut in half when he played for Texas and, and Chris Beard down there in Austin, that god-awful motion offense. So I think he'd be hesitant to come to Tech because that's just – he thinks of 
that's where Chris Beard was before. And it's one of those things where does tech has tech really abandoned the motion offense? And I think I really do think with the hiring of Coach Peary and everything like that, I feel like tech is trying to distance itself from the motion offense, which is what needs to be done because even though our defense is better now under Mark Adams, I feel like we there's always room for improvement. So I think that Devin Askew is going to be a super highly touted or super highly uh, requested player in this portal. And I think that if he just got the time, like if he just got the minutes that he really needed or thought he deserved out of high school, you know, give this guy 30, 35 minutes a game. What, what, I mean, I don't think that it could hurt anything. I mean, he, he does have some height. He's six, three, six, four, you know, he's about 200 pounds. I think he could slide into a defensive role very well. I don't, I don't think he's against playing defense or he wouldn't have gone to Texas in the first place because they still try and do the no middle. So I don't know why he wouldn't already have a leg up on some other guys transferring in. Plus if you can, solidify the ball handling aspect like if you're not going to get someone like a Kendrick Davis who can average you know 45 percent from the field and 38 from three you know average however many points a game you know 20 points a game I I think that Devin Askew could definitely find a solid role to fit in to this offense in Lubbock it is interesting to think about, you know, the, the these guys from Texas, what what would they think about coming back to Chris Beard's, you know, stomping grounds? Um, I tend to think it could matter somewhat just because they received such a intense reception in Lubbock this last time around. I don't know whether or not those guys, you know, saw that and think, you know, uh, what a great fan base. I don't know if they take that personally, but the, it, it, it does remain to be said that, you know, the big 12 is an elite basketball conference. Some of these guys are just going to move to a different conference school. In fact, that could happen for quite a few of them. Um, we'll see what happens with all these guys, Tyrese Hunter, Nigel pack, um, ask you and Ramey, but there's likely just going to be kind of a changing around. I think Iowa States gets screwed the hardest by this. I think Tyrese Hunter's the kind of guy that if he had come back to Iowa State, they were almost a shoe in for another six Sweet 16 because, you know, Iowa State didn't have a good team besides Tyrese Hunter in terms of scoring. Uh, I mean, he was had to have counted for at least 60% of their points. Um, and that may be an exaggeration, but I'm not sure how much it is. They did not score much. You know, Nigel Pack, very important for Kansas State, but they at least had a couple of guys who could occasionally score besides him. Um, but Tyrese Hunter for Iowa State was the heart and soul of that team. So it'll be very interesting to see what the power, you know, hierarchy looks like in the Big 12 next year with some of these programs looking to take a step forward, losing critical guys in t- programs like uh, TCU keeping their, you know, all-world guard in place. Tech will be rebuilding. Look, there are a lot of people right now who have done a lot of true sports journalism. They've got sources, they've dug into it, and they've been tipping their hands a bit lately. There are also a lot of people who don't know jack shit who are doing the same. 
Uh, my only recommendation to all of you guys is listen to everything with a grain of salt. There have been plenty of instances in which even great journalists have been tricked by kids who have changed their minds once they've gotten better NIL deals or whatever the case may be. But really pay attention to the quality of source you're getting this information from. I saw a thread, I think it was the Rambling Raiders who put it out there about claiming sources. The only time in the history of doing Viva I've had a source was one time, and that's because I happened to know this guy from when I was in middle school and he's still a friend to my parents was literally the only time I've ever had a connection to anything um, was one instance. And, you know, we try not to claim sources in any other circumstance. If you see places that, you know, don't have sources making claims that they do, you know, treat all that with a grain of salt. There are obvious sources that are going to be better for this kind of information. The rivals network, the, the red Raider sports, two, four, seven, any of those guys, um, Guns Up Nation has folks with varying levels of access, and some of those guys really know their stuff. You know, there's been some great interviews they've been doing. Um, don't pay attention to, you know, Texas Tech Basketball Insider, which, by the way, I think is a real account. That isn't a slight directly at there. I'm just telling you guys, you've all seen it every year. There's like three new of those accounts that get created. So when you see one that was formed like last month, those are the ones I'm talking about. Um, you know, there are some of these accounts that have been around that are trying to get into the game, but pay attention to your sources because you can do a lot of harm on social media, hyping up some of these places, these kids, it doesn't, it shouldn't matter. It does. Um, we're going to pivot now to the gridiron and look at football recruiting. We are planning on recapping the spring game. It's being broadcasted on ESPN plus a great change for the program. I thought it was super Bush league that we weren't broadcasting the previous um, spring games, the justification being not wanting to show off your offense, blah, blah, blah. That was cowardly. And I'm really glad McGuire dumped that in favor of an ESPN plus production. So you will get to see this all. And we hope to watch it as well and give you guys some feedback on our thoughts, but you did get some great recruiting news today in football with the addition of a tight end from Texas A&M, the former four-star Baylor, is a kid who played behind Weidemeyer, had injuries, didn't see the field a ton as a combination of those two things, but there is no doubt he is very talented and he's got great size. But I want to talk about the recruiting landscape as a whole. A lot's being made about the fact that Tech can't possibly hold on to the number one, which we all know. The people who keep trying to explain this to me when I'm you know, celebrating this, I, I, I know that. It's fun, you know, one, it's fun to don't take it so seriously. The recruiting landscape is toxic enough. But what I do want to talk about are reasonable expectations for the class to finish. You know, when you're looking at what's left on tech's need list with what they've done so far, where do you think they land? And I'll, I'll, I'll change the order up and I'll go to you first read. You're looking at tech's recruiting landscape. Will this be the first class since I believe it was 2013? Could be wrong on that. It's only happened one time in the last 10 plus years. But will this be the first time in a long time that Tech has managed to secure a top 25 class? Yeah, you know, I think they'll be probably right on the fence with that 25 mark. Uh, I think anything inside of I mean, hell, even top 35, I know going from one to 35 sounds like a huge difference, but, you know, from where we were at with Matt Wells, I think his last class was uh, probably at least in the 60s for sure, maybe even crack 70, uh, mid-70s at some point. <clears throat> but I, th I think with, you know, having that good of a class without 
Coach McGuire even coaching a game yet that just says a lot about his uh, his ability to recruit um, him and his, his staff as a whole. Um, you know, the fact that we, we got the number one class in the nation next year right now is just unbelievable to even think about. Uh, the, the thing with Wells that's kind of different from what McGuire stands for is Wells wanted to get old quickly, uh, which ne- isn't necessarily a bad thing in my opinion, but need to be able to complement that with good high school recruiting too. And I think Wells was too focused on trying to get grad transfers in. They could, I mean, at most play for two years, which is not going to really secure long-term success. Because if you know if you don't have COVID, you only have guys like uh, like Colin Schooler for a year or Marquise Waters, you know, whoever that is, you get them for a year and then they're done. You get guys that come in out of high school, you can, you know, breed them, shape them how you want them to, and then the last two, three years that they're here, they're going to play extended minutes for you. <clears throat> if you're able to pair some guys out of high school and then pair some older guys, some grad transfers and stuff like that, that's when you start seeing long-term success using the transfer portal. Um, but, yeah, I think I think long-term, you know, going into this year, uh, I think 25 is definitely doable. I don't really know how many other people he's trying to get um, or how many spots he has available left, but – I think it'll be interesting to see if he's, um, you know, maybe he can even keep it inside the top 20, which would be great too. So, uh, but regardless of where we end up, unless it, you know, falls way below where we think it all will, I think he's done a hell of a job in recruiting uh, on his first cycle. Jack, I'll go to you now. It's the same question, but I will put a little bit of a spin on this. Um, one, first, I'll, I'll to the original point. What do you think? How do you think Tech finishes? But also, Reed brings up an interesting question. Do you think Matt Wells' strategy of building, you know, a transfer-only program effectively, you know, cause problems? Is McGuire balancing that out correctly against developing, you know, but deeper high school relations? Um, where do you see the future of recruiting going for this program? And then again, like I said, to address the original question for this year, where do you see Tech finishing? You know, I I like the question a lot, and I think that you can kind of – everyone knows that I kind of lean toward baseball when it comes to, uh, you know, my articles and everything. But I think you can take a page out of Tim Tadlock's book for this because, you know, for a long time, Tim Tadlock didn't really hit the transfer portal really hard. He he chose to go straight out of the high school and kind of mold these guys the way he wanted to. And I think that – with Maguire's previous uh, history, you know, everyone loves him at, in the Texas High School Coaches Association. You know, it would be dumb to not utilize the high school connection more than the, the transfer. Yeah, you're going to need to hit the portal and get some guys that you need maybe for a short-term, uh, you know, fill-in spot. Maybe you have a lineman who – it just isn't ready quite yet. And you need a guy to fill in at left tackle for a year or something like that. Just a hypothetical situation. Yeah. Hit the portal, grab a left tackle for a season. And then by that time, your true freshman might be ready for that starting role at left tackle. I think that, like I said, I think it'd be very stupid to not utilize, uh, mcguire's contacts all over the state i mean he's got them everywhere i think on top of that 
bringing back Emmett Jones to the staff as a receivers coach is a huge get because everyone, everyone in the Dallas-Fort Worth area knows who Emmett Jones is. All the coaches know who he is. And the guys that you need to get for this team have, have or will be talking to Emmett Jones. I can promise you that. The one thing that I'm seeing that's just so different just in the past, you know, few months that mcguire's been on staff it's just the (laughs) it's just the want to you know it's just the hype around the program like he's excited to do this stuff you you never ever got excited about recruiting classes with matt wells shit we were we were out recruited by kansas one year that's awful that is absolutely terrible that there's no excuse for that and it happened. But I think that now you see a definite rise around the program and a definite hype around the program that I don't know if it's been there ever, but it definitely hasn't been in Lubbock in over 10 years. I'll say that for sure. 100%. It hasn't been around in over 10 years. I'd say the first year that Cliff got hired, maybe. And it's only strictly because we started out that year 7-0 and and then proceeded to lose out the rest of the season. But I think that right now you're seeing a man on a mission and you're seeing a guy that truly loves what he does and loves the area and loves being able just to talk to you know his former colleagues. And if you're if you think that, you know, maybe they're not going to give him a little more time to look at a or talk to a potential recruit that they think would fit his system because they're his friend. I mean, you got to pay attention. Um, I know that everyone at Viva knows me as the person who influences recruiting decisions because I did with the Quinn Ewers article that I wrote, and I got plenty of messages on Twitter thanking me for uh, screwing tech by not getting him. I will thank all those people. But um, I think that Joey McGuire is easily the best recruiter tech's ever had in forms of a head coach. But I don't know if we have seen actually seen a head coach be this involved in the process. Can you name me a time? I don't think so. So it's just very exciting for the program. Overall, I think tech, the 2023 class, I think right now, like you said, they're at the tops. I don't see why a top 30 recruiting class isn't achievable. And I, and I really think that that's where they end up somewhere in the top 30. I would not say in the top 10, but I would be happy to be wrong about that. Yeah, I, I, I think, oddly enough, the last time Tech had a coach this successful at recruiting, as people may not like to hear this, but it was Tuberville. He was a guy who came in with a ton of um, recruiting acumen and did a reasonable job when he cared to of bringing talent in. Of course, we all know how that story inevitably ends. Um, I think there is a, a line to walk with transfers and high school talent. You cannot build a sustainable football te- program off um, 
high school talent. It's completely different from basketball. In basketball, I think if you're recruiting primarily high school freshmen that you know aren't ready to play right away, you're screwing your program because the guys that are ready to play now are there. You have to and and major college basketball right now. You need to be taking you know a couple of guys who are ready to go right away, maybe one developmental project, and then you're going to get six guys out of the portal basically every year. I mean that's just where we are. If you if you're able to hold on to a program these guys long enough to develop them, do it. But nobody is, you know. I mean it just isn't happening anymore. I think I saw that only like eleven or twelve major programs have managed to keep their teams together to this point, and we're in. April, like two weeks ago, the national title was played. So that that's telling you how how the, that's going. In football, you just can't win with one good guy. There are going to be great transfers you got to go get. I think the best example is the offensive line, like Jack said, because there are basically no high school freshmen who come out or high school seniors, excuse me, who are graduating that are ready to play major college football at the uh, on the offensive line or the defensive line for that matter. There's like three of those guys a year. It is a completely different game when you're no longer the biggest, strongest, fastest guy by a mile. You know, these three four-star high school offensive linemen, these three four-star defensive linemen, they dominate when they're in high school. But the difference between them and the handful of five-star guys, and even out of the five-star guys, there's only like one or two of them who are legitimately day one ready. Um, Ed Oliver being the only example of a guy I can think of from the jump who could have maybe even... um, well, he ended up at Houston, could have started basically anywhere in the country his first day out of high school. But that that's rare. So you need to fill need positions as they come up. On the line, you need to get bigger and older and stronger. Tech's done a pretty good job with that, going to get some key guys. But they've also done the thing you have to do in football. You have to develop talent in football. Nick Saban didn't get to where he is because Alabama – you know, always recruited the pick of the litter. He got to where he is because they got enough good talent. They developed it. They coached him up. And then they went and won football games with these kids. You have these teams for three years. You're not seeing mass turnover in college football. You know, the, the, the coaches complaining about the transfer portal and all of that are primarily, you know, missing the boat here because they're all bringing in these kids from the lower tier programs. And then they're pissed when they lose one quarterbacks, receivers, running backs, you know, these skill positions, those are positions you're probably also going to look to upgrade in, but you're only going to take one or two of those guys a year. You have got to develop in-house talent, and McGuire is, quite frankly, kicking Matt Wells' ass in that category. Matt Wells abandoned Texas high school football, which is a huge no-no in the state, and went full transfer portal, and every year we basically saw new rosters. Now, some of those rosters he should have won with. I think he brought in some quality guys, but the point remains, if, like you said, if the, if COVID wasn't there, you would have had a pretty bad team this year, but you're able to retain some of these guys for an extra season that made you deeper and older. Um, so I think in the long run and in the short term, Tech's doing a good job. I think they probably finish, I'm going to say 25. I think you can get into the top 25 if you close out on the guys you're looking at. Uh but really, anything over 40 is an improvement. That'd be back-to-back decent classes that can add Division One level Power 5 talent to help you win. Um, now we're going to transition, though, to baseball. I said we would get into this. Um, this is going to be an ugly segment. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat this one for you guys. Uh, there have been a lot of people who haven't been particularly happy the last week plus with my tone on Twitter. Uh, this will not make those people happy even more, I should say. Uh, we'll, we'll try to provide you guys some reasons for optimism, but this is going to be kind of hard. So if you're one of those people who just really wants to have sunshine pumped, 
I'm sorry, but you should probably tune it out. But if you're if you're wanting to hear an honest discussion about the state of the baseball program, that's what we're going to have. So we're going to recap the disaster in Fort Worth, the unmitigated failure in all levels that happened tonight, and we're going to preview West Virginia and talk about what Tech has to do to finally right the ship. Let's start with the TCU series. Um, Jack, I'm going to let you open us off. I mean, what part of my French here, but what the fuck happened in Fort Worth where Tech is unable to win a game and frankly looked bad all three games? Well, I'm not going to give a pass, but I will say historically we never play any good in Fort Worth. I don't know if we've won a series since we since TCU's been in the Big 12 in Fort Worth at Lupton. I was lucky enough, if you would say, to be there on Friday night, uh, the night that Birdsell pitched and got the loss. Uh, the balk incident happened that night. But um, I'll, I'll get to the balk, and we need to follow up with the balk after I talk about the series as a whole. But um, the series as a whole, it was just disappointing. And I think it was one of the very few times that I've been a Texas Tech baseball fan in attendance at the game where I truly never felt like Tech had a chance to win the game. I just, even with Birdsell pitching, I just, with the way we had been playing and the way we played the first seven innings of Friday's game, I just never felt like Tech had a chance. I watched the game on Thursday. And yeah, we were we we scored first in that game. A lot of people forget we scored first. We scored in the top of the fourth of that Thursday game. But I never I didn't feel like we would even win the game after being up two nothing after four innings. Um you know, after the top of the seventh, it's back tied four to four. I still didn't feel comfortable with that. Like, that's how much this team, and people got to remember, I will say this in terms of positivity. You think that we're pissed about this? You think that us, the people that write about it and talk about it, are pissed about this? Think about the guys that are playing it and the coaches that are coaching it. You know they're pissed. But I'll, I'll look at it as a whole. I just don't know if I've ever... I wrote. I talked about this in my article. And for those of you that have read it, thank you. For those that have messaged me about it, thank you. And for those that have messaged me in anger about it, also thank you, because I know you read it. The fact is that in that game, or in that series, you could attribute it to just bad baseball luck. The games that we pitched well, we could we didn't hit. And in the games we hit well, we couldn't pitch. There's a lot of mistakes. I, I know in the series, I mean, in the series we only had one error officially, but there was just stuff that was done that it almost made you scratch your head at times. Like, why are they doing this? Why are we making this play in this situation? Why are we changing pitchers? at this point in time, and I hate second-guessing coaching because there's a reason that I'm sitting here talking into this microphone and I'm not in charge of this baseball team. 
and it's because Tim Tadlock is one of the best coaches in the country. So you know that he's upset too. But this series was so – it was just poor. And like I said, I don't know if I've ever been at a game where I truly didn't feel like Tech had a chance. But that game on Friday – and we were in it in the Friday game more – or longer than any other game. And I just still felt like – I was like, at some point we're going to blow this. At some point something's going to happen. We're going to blow this. And that's how I felt pretty much since the last Kansas game and the Grand Canyon series. Uh, you know, Tex played 11 games since – the Saturday game of the Kansas series. We have gone three and eight in our last 11 games. And at some point, something needs to be done. I don't know exactly what that is at this point, but as of right now, it's very, very, very disturbing to watch this. Um, I know we'll touch on the New Mexico game here in a minute, but those are just my overall thoughts right now. I'm going to let Reed and Kendall comment on this first because I'll, I'll carry us into New Mexico here at the end. Um, and I'll just let whoever wants to chime in, chime in first. But the, the, I mean, what, what I asked Jack what happened. So I'll open this question up with Reed and Kendall instead of what happened you know, what do you do to fix it? You know, where, where, where do you turn to first to try to correct this? Do you just try to grind it out? I mean, what, what, what's your remedy in this situation? To me, that's just kind of what makes baseball such a great sport is the fact that they've been on this terrible slump, you know, like Jack said, three and eight in the last 11. But also in baseball, all it takes is one game to get your rhythm back. And Right now, like, as negative as we want to be, um, really, it's not It's not like they're not being, like Jack said, they're being just as hard, if not harder, on themselves. And really, it's just going to take one game that the bats get hot, one game that our bullpen gets its head out of their asses. And then I just think that baseball is such a thing about confidence, and it just seems like there's no – Nobody that's really confident out there earlier this year, like the Texas series, like that team had a swagger to them. They were just like, they were having fun. And now, you know, you watch these past couple games, especially the TCU series. It's just not the same energy that's there that was there earlier this season. And I think ultimately that's something that has just really kind of shown is, we as we were losing games, it's progressively getting worse, and obviously people are getting more pissed off. But uh, really, I I just think it takes one game to kind of turn things around, and it's got to start in the West Virginia series. Uh, that's very easily a team you can sweep, um, and really you probably should sweep, even with how bad you're playing. Uh, but you know it doesn't look great right now but you know you just kind of want to get on a roll going 
into the postseason, you want to kind of get some more wins under your belt. And if they keep going this way, I just it really does not look great for their postseason outlook. Uh, much not even hosting, just like having any success in the postseason doesn't look great right now. But like I said, that can all change in one game. So it kind of just got to keep hoping for the best at this point. Reed, what are you what are you thinking about with uh, after that weekend? Yeah, I think everybody or anybody that knows tech baseball knows that um, when when we've been really good is when we've had really good really good offense, and um, I think obviously that's been I, I guess not necessarily bad, but it's just been really streaky. Uh, usually, we in the past we've been able to rely on our offense to give us you know five plus runs every game. Uh, this season, apparently, you know, it's not going to be the case. So uh, the the staff needs to, you know, kind of be able to, you know, kind of tinker between bullpen and uh, bullpen and offense a little bit, and maybe things start jiving together for a change because it just hasn't hardly happened this year uh, for whatever reason. Uh, you, you know that I think Tadlock and other people know. Obviously, there's not really anybody in that bullpen that's really confident in themselves or is anybody else super confident in putting them in the game to, you know, kind of give us a solid couple innings, six outs, whatever it is. Um, you know, like going back to, I think it was 2019, you had a guy like Taylor Floyd who could come in and just pitch lights out for three innings. Uh, right now you have nobody that can even come really close to that uh, at this point in time. So, uh, I mean, even your starters are kind of, have kind of been all over the place. I mean, they've they've had some games where they've looked they've looked well, um, but it hadn't been you know a normal a normal stretch for any guy uh, to, to to put a good outing together uh, consistently. <clears throat> so I think it's just going to be up to Tadlock, you know, just kind of rally the troops a little bit. Really, uh, I think it's good. Finally, we're we've got a home weekend series. It's the first one we've had here in a few weeks, so. I think it's going to be good for the team to kind of be back in Lubbock, get some home crowd team or get some home crowd fans around them. Um, you know, try and try and boost your confidence up a little bit. Even not saying I don't, I don't want to go two and one this weekend, but even if you just win the series, that's going to help a lot. I think moving forward, uh, hopefully you're able to get a sweep, but I think with, with going three and eight in your last 11, I think you just got to worry about winning the series at this point. Um, to have any any chance of uh, you know trying to keep your head head above the water at, at this point in time because I know West Virginia is not not an outstanding team. You're definitely be- much better than they are, um, but you've also just I mean you just got swept by I'd say uh, an average TCU team. Um, but, I mean you've also gone out and beaten Texas in a series as well. So uh, I think this team knows what they can do. They just gotta kind of find their head and figure out what's going on. Um, kind of like what Kendall was saying, you know, just takes it just takes one game. You know, if it, somebody can get something going and part of your lineup gets gets hot, maybe that'll kind of carry over to the rest of the team, and uh, you can try to start building your confidence up a little bit from there. Uh, th- th- this weekend, I I had quite a few, including a. a, a you know, some folks who had, you know, uh, uh, some, some especially not kind ways of putting it that were not quite a few people were not happy with my assessment of the team after this weekend. Um, 
I made it. I've made it clear in the past. I think if you follow a sports opinion page and you're mad when the opinion is that the team is struggling, then you shouldn't follow a sports opinion page. Um, but this probably my assessment now is probably going to make people continue even angrier. And by the way, we did, I didn't comment this in time, but yes, we should all thank Jack for costing us Quinn Ewers. That article was solely responsible for it. And anyone who thinks otherwise um, or has not read that article should do so and then yell at Jack for costing us that recruit. Absolutely. Back to the, Absolutely. Back to the question at hand. Um, look, the team just got out coached and outplayed. I mean, Tad, the base running was atrocious. I think we had three or four guys thrown out on the path, a lot of which just doing questionable stuff. We had some decisions made by guys in the field, you know, couldn't get the ball to the right bag. Um, I look, I, I, I don't want to, you know, say that the staff can fix the pitching just through force of will. The staff is what it is, but here's the truth of the matter. You had two games that were low scoring that you lost because you could not hit the ball with runners on. And I, I love that tech is a home run, you know, powerhouse that they've, they've hit so many home runs, but when you're a coach in this situation, you've got to be coaching these guys, put the ball in play. The wind was blowing dead end. Most of the weekend, I think only one or two home runs were hit total. And I think both happened on Sunday. Once the wind died, I mean, this is, this was a unfriendly offensive ballpark for home runs. And we, it felt like no matter what we did, our approach at the plate was all or nothing. And that cannot be the case when you've got multiple situations of bases loaded guys on the corners and you're pushing across no runs or a run. And you, especially there were multiple times you went, had no outs with a guy on or two on and went one, two, three watching pitches go by or swinging for the fences. This team is what it is. You're going to be a power hitting team. And a lot of what they built their back on is hitting home runs. But at some point there needed to be a conversation amongst the team with guys. You know, we, we need to, we need to swing for a ground ball, beat the shift, bunt. I, I don't know why we didn't bunt more often this weekend. There are plenty of situations which would probably would have worked. Um, what I do know is we we had it was the worst approach to the plate I've ever seen from a tech ball club who, as Reed mentioned, it the best tech teams have always built their calling card on offense. And it, it almost became insult to injury hearing this TCU broadcast team keep talking about the powerhouse tech offense and watching four or five innings go by without a hit because you couldn't get you could put the ball in play. You pet popping out or when you did get hits, you couldn't string together hits. Um, I, I've never been more concerned than I was after this weekend. And while people didn't like hearing about that, um, we're going to lead into what happened tonight. And I, I, at, at this stage in the game, what I thought about the TC series that was positive, which I will say is Molina was fantastic. Your day one and day two pitching was as good as it could have been asked to be with zero run support. Birdsell didn't have a great outing. And he still kept you largely out of trouble. Molina was phenomenal in this game and deserved to watch his offense come back. You know, he held TCU down in critical situations. It wasn't until day three when you see the pitching really get lit up, but we know that the day three staff is, you know, basically a walking loss. So when you look at day one and two, they did enough to win you those games and didn't get credit. But if Molina continues to pitch like that, that is a massive help. But you, you, you've got to be consistent. There has, if you're going to pitch well, you 
you you need the offense, the calling card of this program to be there. And it wasn't this weekend. And it hasn't been too often in critical situations. Um, basically every Sunday, you know, a lot of these Sundays you've had games that you've been blown out in because the offense hasn't been there to back up the weaker staff and you just get lit up. Um, this is going to bring us into tonight, which if you weren't, you know, wondering about if you were still thinking hosting was the biggest concern this team has, I think this blew it up. You're now RPI 47. You were just walked off by a frankly awful New Mexico team and a New Mexico team that has been injured across the board. The pitching strategy tonight was questionable. Um, I can't really fault the offense for scoring 10 runs and losing. So this one's going to fall on the pitching, which I think was Jack's point. When you've pitched well, you haven't hit well and you've hit well, you haven't pitched well. So consistency, you're now in a, this is, it's, it's not fair to characterize this as a slide. You're in a collapse. This is a collapse. You are a top 10 program that is plummeting towards irrelevancy quickly. And you've got the West Virginia series to get it right, um, which we will preview next. But I want to get thoughts on this first um, from Jack and Jack, you know, what, what do you think? I mean, we, we saw a whole bunch of pitchers tonight and a lot of them weren't good. What happened? Uh, well, tonight you lost to a team who is 15 and 21 on the season. They're six and 12 in their conference. They don't have a winning record at home. They don't have a winning record away from home and they're 0 and 4 in neutral site games. This team has given up over 20 runs three times this season, has given up over 10 runs at least eight times this season, and have lost games by more than 10 runs seven, I'm counting seven, possibly eight times. You let a team that has those types of statistics follow them around, hit the ball. They gave tech pitching gave up 21 hits tonight. And for those who are saying, Oh, well, we only got beat by one. Guess what? New Mexico left 11 men on base today. They left more than tech did tech finished the game with 10 runs on 13 hits and eight men left on base. New Mexico had 11 runs, 21 hits and 11 men left on base. If you don't think that there's a problem right now, and I'm sorry, I hope we have the explicit tag, pull your head out of your ass. Because this bullpen is mediocre at best. I minced my words on the T in the TCU article. I did not write what I truly wanted to say, but you know, it's time that Harsh truths need to be put out there. The bullpen is past mediocre. You are now hoping that on Friday and Saturday of each weekend series that your starters can go nine innings. Because I don't know if there is a single pitcher in that bullpen that I have confidence in coming in for even one inning. I think this weekend against West Virginia, you're going to see... You're going to see Morris on Friday, Birdsell on Saturday, and Molina on Sunday, which is the way it should be. And honestly, 
this could this should tell you how bad things are. And I think Mike might agree with me on this. The first person that I want to see out of the bullpen this week is either Becker or Andrew Devine. And that's saying a lot coming from me because God, hand to God, I have been one of Devine's biggest haters. I'll say it. I, I haven't been impressed with anything that he had done. I didn't think that the 2020 season was worth anything because it was 14 games or whatever. And last year he just got shelled. This year he's actually making strides forward. He's making positive steps back to what he was and why he got recruited to Tech. And that's who I would rather see out of the bullpen right now than anyone because there's no consistency. There's absolutely none. And you talk about guys that come in and pitch, you know, two innings and give up no hits, no runs. You know, they could strike out all six batters they face. But guess what? In If they do that on Friday, they're coming in Sunday and they're letting up three runs on five hits in a single inning. We've seen it. It's absurd that no one could come in and pitch with any sort of consistency. Tonight, you have the guy that gets the loss is your highest-touted pitching recruit this past year. He goes an inning and a third and gives up five runs on six hits. Faced ten batters in only got four outs. There was a stretch in the eighth inning, and I remember watching it because I was out at dinner, and I was watching it on my phone. I was watching the box score because I'm not going to pay for the stupid Mountain West Network or whatever it was televised on. Braden Runyon got a base hit, got a single, and he was on first. He's taking his lead off, and we tried to pick him off. It goes over the head of the first baseman or whatever happens. He advances to second on a bad pickoff there that gets past uh, whoever's playing first. I'm guessing is probably, I don't know if it was Hudson White, I'm guessing. Yeah, it was Hudson White. Gets past Hudson White, and so Runyon takes second. Well, then they pull and put a pinch hitter or a pinch runner in, and the very next pitch, he spike the pitch spikes it into the ground and goes to the backstop. So he's on third in two pitch or two straight pitches. He's on third. This is the type of crap that has gotten this bullpen in trouble all season. And if nothing has merited a or warranted a swift response from this coaching staff, it's this. I'm coming. I'm looking at the box score for tonight, and this is going to sound terrible. I'm going to read. I'm going to read y'all three off the overall ERA after tonight for each pitcher that pitched. No, and keep in mind, all of these guys normally come out of the bullpen. After tonight, Andrew Devine has a 4.85 ERA. That's with no runs and one hit allowed. Uh, Robinson, no runs, one hit allowed. That brings his ERA down to 648. Uh, Clark pitched one inning, five hits, three earned runs, comes to a 5.12 ERA. I won't go through the rest of the actual stats. I'll just go Becker, 4.85. Sanders, 5.85. Beckel, 7.43. Parrish. 6.23. 6.23. These are your relievers. These are the guys that's supposed to shut the door. And you don't have a single ERA in the threes. Shit, you don't have a single ERA bef- below 4.8. That's absurd. 
that these are your go-to guys to try and see who you can get some sort of normalcy from, and you can't get anything below a 4.8 ERA against New Mexico, against a team that's below 500. That's absurd. What is going on? I'm going to stop talking now. I'll pass it off because I just don't know if I can continue just looking at these stats. It's going to make me even more angry. But this is what has become a normal thing, and this is why people are having heart problems watching these games <laughs> because that no one feels safe. Even We were up, what, 8-3 to three in this game at one point? Yeah, we were up 8-3, to three, I'm pretty sure, at one point. And you lose it. 11 to 10. Yeah, 11 to 10. So take it with a grain of salt. Don't. But that's the reality of the situation. Look, I, I, I've looked everywhere for this. And if my statement is wrong, I'll apologize later. But as far as I can tell, Divine, it wasn't hurt. Um, I, I've yet to see any indication that him being pulled was done for any other reason than the strategy going in tonight was we're just going to pitch I, all, all, all of our midweek staff and, and Parrish being an example of a guy who's arguably should be one of your weekend dudes, though he has been getting hammered as of late. But um, and Clark, for that matter, as well, having, you know, those two guys are both guys you would want to play in the weekend, but both of them are getting hit hard. I'm assuming that was the thought process. You went into this game thinking, we're going to push past New Mexico easily. We're just going to throw everybody. What? Okay. I I make very little to do this Viva the Matador stuff. I am not a talented enough writer to work for a real sports place. So I'm going to ask the real sports journalists of the world to hold Tadlock accountable for this. Because that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. This is a great coach that has a lifetime contract, but he's not immune to criticism. I don't know more than Tad Luck about baseball. He knows infinitely more than me, but the biggest truism in sports is to never overlook your opponent. He did that tonight. He pulls Divine, who the staff continues to place tremendous faith in, who looks like he is so close to turning a corner after an inning. And again, if Divine was actually hurt, great, but it looks like this was a bullpen game from the start. That's what they wanted to do. He pulls Divine, who I think had allowed a hit and looked really good in his first inning. What follows is pitcher after pitcher after pitcher of bad. Of bad. I mean, it it and when guys did pitch well, they got yanked the next inning. I think I think we were talking about the sport. Maybe one guy was given one extra inning. I it it it's maddening that in a game that tech desperately needed to get right in. And and Jack can comment on this because I think he's got the box score. How who did anybody else go more than one? No. Uh Sanders went two, gave up uh five hits and two runs. Everyone else went one inning other than Parrish. Parrish went an inning and a third, and everyone saw how that ended. So that's and and uh Clark, one of your more reliable relievers on the year, uh went an inning, gave up three runs on five hits. And Beckel, another dude who's been, you know, floating around out there, who's been up and down like a roller coaster, uh, also gave up a run on a hit and two walks in one inning. So, so my point, my point being is when you hear that, 
you had a bunch of guys who were surrendering hits and runs all over the place. And the one guy who looked like may have a good game was pulled after an inning. You threw a whole mess of pitchers in this game because you did that. If you had let Divine do what you should have done, which is pitch another inning, get through the rotation twice, go three innings. Look, Divine's been the kind of guy he can get you through a rotation one time without too much heartache. He wasn't great in his last start, but he looked good tonight. And instead, we went to the bullpen early, and they got lit up. They got lit up. And that meant you were digging deeper and deeper. Now, you should be able to trust Clark and Parrish. I understand that. But the point remains, if you hold New Mexico State off the board for another couple of innings before you know, Tech's offense starts to slow down a bit, you probably could have broken New Mexico State. That That's just reality. These, these overmatched teams will quit if you bury them. Instead, Tadlock overlooked this opponent. This is fucking coaching. I don't understand what's happened. It looks like a team that's unprepared week in, week out. It looks like a team that doesn't care about Sundays. Tadlock is one of the best coaches in baseball. It is unacceptable for some of these problems to happen. He makes way too much money to be immune to criticism. So if anybody's got a problem with us having issues with some of this crap, can blow me. Because he makes millions of dollars to coach baseball. He's turned tech into a powerhouse. He is the He's suffering with his own expectations. I fully get that. And we knew going into this year that this team had problem. I'm fine if the team just, if the problem at the end of the year of this, we look back and say, okay, we were short arms. You can't fix that. But when you look back at some of these losses where the base running's bad, when he does this crap with the pitching staff, when they can't hit situationally, that's when I start to ask myself, what are we doing? Because that can't happen. You could lose. Screw it. Games. We've been we've been we've been we've been short on arms for years. I don't care. I don't want to. I don't give the injury bug a leg up here. We've been short on arms. This was our problem last year. And yeah, you know what? Not having Brendan Gert right now sucks. It really does because I think that one reliable bullpen arm right now would make a world of difference. But we have been struggling in the bullpen. Not it's not just this year. It was last year also, and it's been a trend that is, as of lately, spiking, and you can't deny it. Yeah, and here's the thing. I'm not one of those guys to come after the pitching coach, but at some point, it is on coaching that we seem to not have to, we, we seem to not have the arms consistently. And some of this is just the reality that tech is still building itself as a recruiting power. It's hard to get consistently good arms, but the, I don't, I'm going to blame Tadlock for this because ultimately the head skipper is responsible for everything that happens on that field. But you know, if, if this is the pitching coach's strategy, if that's where this came from, it came out of the pen um, from that staff, there needs to be a come to Jesus meeting because this was not the game to play around with. This is a team that's confidence is shaken. It finally looked like the offense was back on track and you blow it with a very questionable to say the least pitching strategy. This was not the bullpen game. This was a game you needed to pound New Mexico because West Virginia is coming in number two in the big 12. You will lose this series. If you play like you did against TCU, there's no doubt in my mind, they'll beat the brakes off you. If you play like you did against TCU, this was the chance to shake off the rust. You played GCU and Oklahoma. Those are tough midweek teams. 
You lost all three of those games. Your confidence was shot heading into TCU. But you get a chance to get it back, and we we dick around with it. So, I look, there are reasons to believe Tech can fight itself out of this. There's talent in the lineup. There's talent on the field. You've got Birdsell and Morris who continue to be stout. Even their worst outings have not been that bad. But there are, there are red flags all over the place. And I, I'm sorry, at some point, I need to stop hearing from fans just, well, they're going to fix it. Because they may not. And that's okay, too. You know, like we, it, it doesn't make you a worse fan to recognize that the team's in trouble. I trust Tadlock to figure it out, but it's just time to admit this has not been, this last week and a half has been some of his worst work in the Red Raider dugout. This has been some of the worst baseball played under him, and I don't think this is his worst team. I guarantee you those first couple of Tech teams were worse, and he took one of those to the World Series. So let's, you know... I'm fully aboard the idea that this team can shake themselves out of it, but I, I, at some point, we can't just keep wishing and hoping for it. We got to start recalibrating expectation. All I'm and, saying is that you better hope that this team hosts a regional. That's all I'm going to say right now. If this team continues playing the way it is right now, you better pray. To, if you want to see Tech go deep into the postseason, you better pray to God that this team hosts a regional because right now Lubbock is the only place that this team can play. And if they want to go deep, they better figure out how to play outside of Lubbock. Cause right now that might be the most gla- other than the bullpen. This might be the most glaring issue with this team as not being able to win outside of Lubbock. Yeah. And I mean, Look, I want to believe that this team could still win a regional. I want to believe that a super's within your grasp, but you're not playing like a top 25 team. And I was stunned at D1 Baseball evaluating Tech, who has a 47 RPI now. It was, I believe, 42 heading into this game, who has no quality wins, by the way, because Texas has fallen apart. They just got blasted by Air Force. DBU, we thought, was climbing back into the rankings. They're getting hit up left and right. Your best opponent to date is Texas and GCU, and now arguably it's probably just GCU. You lost both those games. It's probably someone in that opening weekend series or that opening weekend tournament. What? And I mean, that doesn't count for shit. So I just, when you look at this, I don't know why Tech was still ranked top 10, but I need to see a team that gives a shit this weekend. It, it, it has looked way too much like on Sundays they're lackadaisical. And we've talked about this. We know these guys are hurting. We know they're pissed off. We need to see it on the field. This needs to be a team playing with a chip on his shoulder. You need to see some guys pissed off this weekend to really take it to West Virginia. Because West Virginia is playing like a team that wants to win a Big 12 title. Now, it looks like this is Oklahoma State's to lose. In fact, I think it's basically guaranteed now that Oklahoma State will win the Big 12. But West Virginia is playing like a team that's been bad for years and is finally pulling it together. And they will beat Tech. As good as Tech's been in Lubbock, they will beat Tech if we see more of this. Tech is also good enough to sweep West Virginia if it plays angry, if it's coached well, if they play with confidence. So, Jack, I'm going to let you close this out here, um, and I'll, I'll also ask the same question to Reed and Kendall when you're done. But give us a quick over preview of West Virginia, and then I'm going to let everybody call their shot for the weekend. Um, I I want to circle back. I know this episode is going to run a little long for those that like to listen. Um, 
I would like to point out that as we're recording this, this is Tuesday night at 9.30 at night. Um, as of right now, Texas is losing 14-2 to to Air Force, which is beautiful. But um, I know I didn't touch earlier on the bulk, and that's what I want to come around to at the end. Um, but this overall, as a preview of West Virginia – from what I know about them, I need to take a deep dive into them. I was going to plan on doing that tomorrow or Thursday. Um, I know the West Virginia team likes to run. Uh, they're they're a quick team, and uh, you know they get on base. And when they get on base, they like to run. I, I think that they have over they have a ton of stolen bases, if I if I remember correctly. Um, you know, they have just ridiculous, absurd stats in in just some of the weird ones. Um, their their best guy is uh, Holbrook. Uh, he's he's hitting at about a 350 clip right now. His slugging is about 563. Uh, on base, around 42%. Um, Davis is another one. He's about 330. So they got a few guys that are, you know, they're they're not bad. Uh, I know this, like I said, I know this team likes to steal bases um, from from just other stuff that I've heard from around the conference. They they like to move on the base paths, and with what I saw tonight, uh, just just based off some of the just in game updates that we were getting, uh, that's not a good thing. Uh, from if they keep if Tech keeps playing the way they did tonight, then they're going to have a huge issue with West Virginia running on the base paths. Um, you know, do they have a big home run guy? Um, they have one guy that has six. Um, not not a huge power hitting team. They they like to lean toward more towards the small ball uh, when it comes to hitting. Uh, you know, when it comes to pitching, you know, they got a guy, their their best guy has a three, a th- basically a three ERA. So they're very, based on stats, they're very average. So like we have all mentioned, this should be a team that, I don't know if you sweep with the way you've been playing, but you should at least win the series. Hell, I would be happy with one win right now. Because God knows we haven't gotten it in 10 days. Or by the time we will play them on Friday, it, it'll have been 10 days, 10, 11 days, since we've had our last win. Which was on a walk-off to a mediocre Kansas State team that we had to walk off in the bottom of the ninth because we can't play on Sundays. So I'm, I'd like to be optimistic about this team. And I think that there is definitely a way that we can get over this and make a deep run. But someone in the bullpen has to stand up. When the chips are down, someone needs to step up and play this game and play their game. There's a reason that all these guys play for Texas Tech, and it's not because they're lackluster baseball players. It's just that we have run into a stretch where – all these guys just seem to have 
tried to play outside themselves. And I think a few of these guys might be trying to do too much. And if they just relax, play their game, then it's what will have gotten Tech to the first 20-win team in the Big 12. And I believe they might have been the first 25-win team in the Big 12 also, which is scary because now we're at 27 and whatever. But I just think that if you just eliminate mistakes, your your own base path errors, your own errors that could be avoided. I mean, cut the shit with the pass balls, the wild pitches. That's definitely stuff that you can fix on the practice field. So if you just get to this point and just fix those mistakes, this should definitely be a series that you win easily, two games to one, possibly sweep. They're not good away from home. West Virginia is not good away from home. So this is definitely a series to try and get back on track. And I pray that it happens. Uh, And all four of us, I can speak easily for all four of us, saying that we pray to God that this baseball team gets back on track and we will be the biggest supporters when that happens. Yeah, I mean, when you look at West Virginia, you're looking at a team that I think has far exceeded reasonable expectations. Um, you're at home. You should win in this series at home. And if, But it, you're not going to do it if you play like you have been. Jack mentioned the pass balls. I think the biggest thing to me is runners in scoring position. Put the fucking ball in play when you've got two on with one out. If you do that, you know, good things will happen. And... Look, I, I want to believe this team still got magic in them, and this is the series to do it. You're finally back home after a long string of away uh, midweeks and an away series in Fort Worth. I think you've been out of the last 11 games, only three, and the three you won were at home. So you're finally back home after, and you're in a tough skid. The home fans will be there. Um, I'm guessing maybe not the day of the spring game that tends to draw away your potential audience, but the other days I think you'll have a good crowd. And maybe after the spring game, people will file out to the baseball stadium. I hope they do. I'm going to root for this team just as hard, but my concerns are deep that we were just dealing with a ball club that was in a rebuild year. Tadlock did a great job getting him ready. He's now, I think, having he had a tough stretch as a coach. I think he'd admit to you he has not coached very well the last week and a half. I think he's actually already said that. And, you know, the, the, this, is the, this is the weekend to fix that. He needs to coach well. Pitching staff needs to be better in relief. And the hitting's got to be better runners on. And if you, do, if you just play reasonably well in Lubbock, you're probably going to win this series. I think Birdsell and Morris will be good. That's going to give you game one and two. Molina's probably thrown three. That may give you game three. You could get a sweep. You could lose this series. It all comes down to which version of tech shows up. Are we going to see the tech that was in playing inspired, angry baseball against Texas? Are we going to see the tech that battled back against Kansas state on Sunday? The first Sunday, they looked like they cared to win. Are we going to see the tech that dropped the game against Kansas, a bad, terrible Kansas team? We're going to see the tech team that quit in the TCU series. You know, what what tech team are we going to get? And that's going to determine it. I think tech can win this series. I think you have to. So I'm going to choose to be optimistic for the first time about baseball tonight and just say you're going to get this series win. And that hopefully, knock on all the wood, will be enough to set up tech to get back on track towards maybe hosting a foregone conclusion at this point. But, um, you know, 
getting to the postseason is not guaranteed yet. So hopefully Tech can win this one, reset up, and make a play for a host bid. Because if you get that regional, I think Tech is good enough at home to get past the regional. And at that point, screw it. You you, you were a rebuild year to get to a super as a win. If you get past the super, that's phenomenal. So, you know, as, as tough as things have been, Tech started hot enough against lower competition that it, it has time against now the two best teams of the Big 12 coming up and Oklahoma and Baylor to – to make something happen, to get its RPI back into, you know, not laughable range for a top 25 team. So I'm going to call a series win. I don't think you can get the sweep done. I just don't see a day three win yet until I know who's going to solidify that spot. But I think Tech will win the series. I think you have to, and I think this team's going to play like it. Tadlock's going to coach like it. We're going to see a team ready to go. And I'll let Jack close out with the um, balk talk, but it was a balk. If everyone was wondering my opinion, it was. But first, Kendall, what do you think? Uh, I think that um, you guys kind of just really covered a lot of it. This is a series that Tech not only should win, but they need to. You know, if this season, if you want to keep any of the fans optimistic, you need this series. And, you know, yeah, that's really all I have to say about is this is a must-win situation, which... That phrase gets overused a lot in college sports, but, you know, for Tech and a lot of their postseason, you know, to be optimistic going into the postseason, this is really a type of series when you need to kind of try to get out of this slump so you can try to get some more wins under your belt. But if you lose this series, you know, the rest of the season is just really going to be hard to be any sort of optimistic about it. So uh, I'm going to predict a series win and just, you know, hope for the best. I think we lost Reed. His audio was giving him fits and he's had to drop off. So it's going to go, I'll give Jack the last word on that block and then I'll bring us home. Jack, what did, what did you want to say about what was clearly a balk? Well, I just want to say that it was clearly a balk. But uh, I really didn't give a, you know, a prediction. Uh, I'll go two and one also. Um, I need to see. We've seen Mason Molina pitch on Sunday, and he's been good uh, at times. But I, I need to see him pitch like he did on Saturday against TCU in this Sunday game. And then then we can start talking about, you know, how we how we definitely move forward with this bullpen. Um I got a ton of uh, mentions and <laughs> replies on on my stuff that was uh, quoted from Viva about about the balk on Friday, and uh, you know, a lot of people are the quarterback armchair coaches, all this stuff. You know, everyone on Twitter, everyone on any social media platform knows knows best, and but. I'm telling you, if you have a shoulder flinch towards home plate, even as you're stepping off the back of the rubber, if it's simultaneous, it's still a move to the plate. It's a balk. That should have been a balk, and it should have been counted as a run. The umpire was confident enough to stop play and call it, but then as soon as Sarlus and the 
home crowd got in his ear, he reversed it. The crowd or the umpire crew should be, I will say, they should be punished. They should be like reprimanded some games, like take them out of a series or something that they would normally umpire. But I think that was one of the first true times that I've seen Tadlock actually get pissed. Uh, I think he was pissed about the call, but I think he was more pissed at the fact that Tech was in the situation that they needed to rely on the call of an umpire to get them back into a game and not their own play. And that's the one thing that I want to lay out right now as we're wrapping this up, is that when you're playing well, these calls shouldn't matter. If Tech played as well as they should have, they should have been up by six runs. And this call wouldn't have mattered. And we wouldn't even still be talking about it at this point. But when you're going through a slump and all this, all these things happen, this is the type of stuff that dominates your content, period. Your time. So you play better during the game. And this type of shit won't matter when it gets called against you. Bottom line, it was a balk but it shouldn't have mattered because we should have been in a better position during the game. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a block. It was called a block. It's not reviewable. It broke the rhythm of the game. Any number of reasons that was awful. Um, and like you said, you don't lose because of a block and you shouldn't have put yourself in that position, but you know, the worst part of tech's luck, I think Kendall talked about this is, you know, how the I, I've never seen anything like that, you know, where you, you've got a third base umpire confident, so confident that he's willing to overturn a call that he got the same look at as everybody else. And he saw it wrong. It was a balk. There's no other way to explain that. The only people who don't think that was a balk. So like the 1% of the Texas population that roots for TCU, those are the folks who don't think that was a balk. And even they know it was, it was, he flinched. It is what it is. Um, this episode was is was a good venting session for us, but I think most importantly, it, it sums up something not to get lost. In. It sums up the expectations around this program now. You know, I, I'm critical of Tadlock's coaching the last week, but I'm not going to take away from the fact that he built Tech into what it is, and he is a great coach. That's why I expect more from him. And I think the reason why we expect more from this team is because of what they've done in the last five, six years. Uh, seven, eight, I think now we're on what we're year eight of Tadlock. Um, you know, the, the last year ended in a disappointing fashion. This year you came in with different expectations, but we all want tech to do better. Look, I'm not going to be the guy who gets on Twitter and, you know, thumbs my nose at the people who've been mad at me about the negativity. Though I did do that a little, admittedly, but I'm not going to be the guy who says, I told you so, because I'd rather be wrong. I'd rather have people, you know, come back to me later to tell me I was wrong about the negativity. And I truly, truly hope that for all of our, our hand wringing tonight, that this weekend tech just blows the doors off of West Virginia. But whatever happens, I hope you guys stick around for the ride and support these guys. You know, this is a program that's in a rebuild. This is not your most overwhelmingly talented team. The bullpen shallow. You weren't expecting some of the guys who have really stepped up in the lineup to step up. So just in, watch. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be disappointed. And I'm going to continue to give you guys the analysis on Twitter as will Jack and Kendall when he's tweeting through the hub account of what they're seeing. And that will point out when things are going bad, but we're all rooting for the team to win. We just all 
need to recognize that maybe this year, maybe this year, it's time to have different expectations than previous years. I'm not 100% willing to give that up yet. If you dominate this series this weekend, that could set up the run of the lifetime. You know, Tennessee was on one. Texas went on one to start the year. Um, A&M's going on one right now. Uh, uh, DBU went on a little mini run of their own. GCU's on a run. You know, these Rutgers, teams, Rutgers, Rutgers is, is on Rutgers, a big run. Rutgers has won 16 straight. Um, who, who else is out there just really tearing up? But any number of teams that have had these protracted runs this year. There's parity in baseball, which is good. So and run is still possible. I don't want to discount that possibility. What I want to see this weekend is better coaching. I want to see better better situational hitting. And we all want to see better pitching. And Jack mentioned that we also want to see the little things that are correctable fixed. And most importantly, we want to see a team that plays pissed off and with a chip on their shoulder and like they know the season is up for grabs because right now you're at a tipping point. So we're all going to be watching this weekend. If you have an opportunity to go to the spring game, please do. If you do not and are not able to watch it, we're going to bring you a recap of that. If you do go to the spring game, head on over to the law right after. I think the times line up really nicely. I think it's supposed to be reasonably pleasant that day. Um, even if it's hot, bring drink lots of water. Um, you know, bring them an umbrella, I don't know, and <laughs> try to make it work if you can. Support these guys. Um, they're struggling. They need they need a lift, and they need it at home. So, wreck them, everybody, um, and we're all going to keep rooting and watching. Please come back to us next week, Tuesday, to hear the recap of the weekend series and the spring game, and keep an eye out for Jack's articles on what's going on for both probably looking at what happened over the weekend series, maybe a preview and keep an eye out for some recruiting news. Um, anything supposed to drop any minute now, and I'm sure we'll have guys writing up around then. Wreck them and have a good night.